Yeah. <laughs> this is like, it's a tale of two cities. Like, I'm like sitting in some plush, you know, chamber, <laughs> eating. And I'm just picking up more <laughs> shit, trying to survive. You're shoveling <laughs> a stall or something. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery. Um, so happy that they became a sponsor of the show. They have greens, CBD uh, gummies, CBD lotions, CBD drinks, CBD t-shirts, uh, all these recovery products on their website. Uh, I love these products. These are my two favorites, which are the green apple gummies and the happy berry uh, energy drink. That thing to me is so awesome. It's dangerously good. You should get some. Um, and guess what? You can. If you go to their website, nwrecovery.com, and use code CMP20 at checkout, uh, you'll get 20% off your order. The reason I love these is not only because of the products and the way that it makes me feel, both as an athlete recovering, but as a person dealing with everything going on in the world. Uh, they are veteran-owned, veteran-operated, and a part of their mission is to support veterans, first responders, and athletes, and helping them recover uh, and live happier, more fulfilled life. So again, uh, you can support them, support the show, support their mission, uh, and support your damn self by going to nw-recovery.com and save yourself 20% by using code CMP20. Again, my favorites are the green apple gummies and the happy berry energy drinks. If you're listening to the show, do us a huge favor. Hit the subscribe button, whether it's on YouTube or on the podcast. It would mean total um, awesomeness. It would be awesome if you could do that. We would appreciate it. Hit the like. Uh, if you feel like you're getting a lot of value out of the show, share it with a friend. That would help us uh, get the word out there. The team works hard, yo. Uh, we got lights. We've got cameras. We've got iPads. We've got supplements and mugs. Uh, it would be great for, for you to share the love there, too. You can also support, support the show with some monies. We have Cash App, we have Venmo, we have PayPal. And if you go to Linktree slash Kale Marker, uh, that's L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Kale Marker, uh, you can find the links there. It'd be super awesome. Uh, we have some bigger plans for the show and just would, uh, if you have some extra monies you want to throw around, awesome. The what? Aiden. Aiden. Two homeless people wandered down the street. Uh, <laughs> I'm supposed to have strictly platonic here today, but uh, instead I got these homeless folks. Aiden was worried. She drove us here, and she has a new car, and she was scared to take it out of her neighborhood. <laughs> I'm going to start telling on you right That's away. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I think you have good reason to be afraid to drive your car here, because my car was stolen. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, mine will text me and be like, someone's taking me. <laughs> text you yeah so it'll text me when it's like unlocked and stuff like that so it'll send me alerts be like hey i'm unlocked even if like you unlock it so yeah so if i pull it into the garage or something and then i leave then it, it'll text me in a few minutes like hey i'm unlocked can i did you want to lock me oh it's shut down but what if like like i borrowed your car is it still going to text me and say that i don't think so because the keys are in it and stuff and it's like in motion see that's the thing that happened with mine is uh i had a spare key in the driver's door and it was went through on Friday night like last Friday two Fridays ago and they grabbed the key and came back a couple nights later and took the car Jesus. but I guess if I had the text thing I would have known that I left it unlocked on Friday because Plus I have a little GPS on it so I know where it is oh I found mine like 
two blocks that way. So they just took it two <laughs> blocks. But they took they journeyed a lot more than that. There was a crack pipe in the front seat, and they had trashed the inside with a bunch of Twinkies and Ho Hos and sugary drinks and clothes. And they had flash drives with like different labels on them, like mm. hip hop and R and B. I didn't know people carried music on their flashcards. I feel like it wasn't music. I was gonna say, you may be, <laughs> you're, you're being set up. It's, it's, it's all plans and evidence. It's all. It's okay. with the... Flash drives just always make me think like child pornography. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No. I, this is this is this is why I didn't think about that. <laughs> this is why the show works. Is that the sticky stuff? Is That's it that is the first thing I thought too. See? Is that this is illicit? This is like very we illegal. We got crack pipes. We got hoes and Twinkies. Flash drives equals. Child pornography. And so. sticky stuff mm -hmm. all over. They're, they, yeah. they, apparently something broke my windshield, uh, and I also found a brick in the passenger's floor, on the passenger's <laughs> floor. like, this is my souvenir. Somebody threw this That was nice of them. I don't know what it's like to be on crack, though. No. So. But yeah, so it's good that I would be afraid to drive my car. Yeah, so it's here, so I get a question and run away, we'll know what's going on. And I also realized you're probably out there for 20 minutes and just didn't knock on the door. Because I saw, I saw, is it a GMC? It's a GLA. Oh, don't, what's your yeah. license plate? No, I'm just I don't know. I don't have one yet, I just registered it. <laughs> what's a GLA? It's a Mercedes. -Benz. Oh, Jesus, I'm so, that's why I text. Did you drive a GMC? I don't have a GMC. No, you don't have a car. I no, I actually, uh, you know, take Yak transport everywhere. Yak, like a Tibetan. I thought it was like an Uber app. Yeah, yak, yak. It's a yakety yak. Yakety sacks. Yakety sacks. Please make that a real thing. It's the first rule: don't try and be funny. Just do it. You know, that's all good. No yak. But no, yeah. What do you mean? Of the Uber that's the rule. No, that's the rule of trying to do improv. Oh. Try not to make jokes like about riding large shaggy mammals everywhere. You do comedy? Uh, well, you know, we have a regionally famous improv show. Regionally? <laughs> yeah, because we were I in Detroit say, and uh, Columbus, and say maybe we, a couple of blocks. Yeah, the region, <laughs> the region of wherever we happen to be at any given time. It's like the polka kings of the Midwest. Exactly. The Home Alone. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes, but then I, my mind went to Ferris Bueller, but that was, what was he? He was like the Sausage King. Yes. In Chicago. Yes. I know the movie. I don't know the Sausage. Why do I not? That's not right. I'm not catching that. That's the one whenever Ferris Bueller tries to go into the, to the restaurant and he didn't have a reservation. So he was like, I'm this guy. Do you know what they're talking about? Is it the Sausage King? A Abe Foreman, the Sausage King. Oh, it was Abe yeah. Foreman. There you go. <laughs> you don't know Ferris Bueller Day Off? Oh, yeah, I know the movie, but I don't know. We like obscure references. Yeah, we only do <laughs> obscure references. Deep cuts. So you have a regionally famous. Regionally known. I, I, oh. I was going to say. Regionally seen. <laughs> I think you guys are limiting yourself we, by not saying famous. We have been seen by people. Oh. In couple of states. That's good. I would be worried if you haven't been seen by people right? originally known. I, I, who's watching the show if no one's seen you? It's true. I don't know. Who are these people? I guess lonely, sad. <laughs> sad. <laughs> we, do, we do improv for spinsters. 
spinsters and homebodies. We, we hand out cats as people come in. We're like, here's some yarn or a kitten, you know, and just enjoy. The Yak Valley parties. <laughs> <laughs> the last Instagram live that we did, we had four viewers. We for, I also forgot to promote it. We also, all, so. the only reason anybody ever watches is because Aiden actually promotes it. That Nobody sees it on our account, uh, the Strictly Platonic uh, Instagram, but Aiden drives all the traffic. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's, what was the, tell me the, the idea behind Strictly Platonic. So it was weird. So we started taking improv together. Like we met in our level one improv class. And then we were cast in the same show. And then one day the, uh, the owner's wife of the theater was just like, you two have fun together. Why don't you do a two person show? And we were like pooping ourselves because we were like so scared to do it. We are like, that'll be fun. So we did one, and then it was good. So then they asked us to do another one, and that one is the one where we actually got a standing ovation. So I had to bring that up because that was amazing. That, I still that think was your that second it. one. That was our second yeah, one. I was there for that one. All downhill from there, but it's still great. Um, <laughs> Regionally enough. Yes. So then we just started, you know, seeing that there were festivals and stuff. So we like taped ours, and so we started traveling around to different festivals and performing. And then we got like our weekly show of doing our doing our two person show and so yeah. Where on Instagram? No, at the Black Box Improv. Oh, that's been too long. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I thought everything was either Zoom or social media. I just it is now. We have we have not done a strictly platonic show since March the twelfth or something like. No, not no, even. It was the week before. It was no, March, March the eighth or ninth or something. Do I yeah. just move the table back and keep the camera rolling and you guys just do it? Well, if you've seen us on Instagram, it's uh, it's quite different because we you can't see like below your shoulders and all of our improv specifically Aiden's is is specifically from Aiden. the legs from the legs up to the waist maybe to the torso dead face dead face That's but expressive doing. kneecaps That's what it is. Yeah. But. So I can move the table and you guys can do a two person show in person. You're doing all, you guys are doing every show over Instagram live but in different places. Yes versus together. And that's so that's really, a way different thing. It's really hard because especially there's a delay too. Oh, it's the worst. So it's like, I don't know if he's done talking. And then, but and it's like, you just can't connect, you know, like you do in person. So it's it's really hard to do. Well, it's especially fun. improv. Mm -hmm. It's still fun. Where and when are we gonna be able to do shows? I feel like some people are doing shows. Yeah, there. Uh, some people are doing shows. Some theaters are doing shows on like Twitch. You know, they're streaming oh, on good. Twitch, and some I've seen where they've done it um, all in the same big room, and I've seen where they've done it in separate locations. But these are like groups of eight people rather than just two. I feel like the duo is challenging enough for that kind of a thing. Yeah. But I think there are some improv theaters that are that are open in person, um, even with you know the way things are right now are they in the winter. In Texas and Florida. I don't know. I think the Nest in Columbus was actually doing. I don't want to like dox the Nest and be like they've been holding gatherings of more than ten people. I don't think because they've been they've been like doing performances, but I don't think they have an audience in. That's what I was wondering if they just have a camera set up in their building because they're doing their regular lineup of shows in the sense that you know they they like the black box like anywhere else has kind of like a Wednesday show to Thursday show Friday lineup of shows, but um, and they've been advertising those, but. Um, maybe there isn't an in-person audience. I, I don't actually know. Cardboard cutouts? <laughs> so you can, you can purchase yourself and put it someplace. 
Did you guys ever play like Sega or video games from late early nineties or nineties? Oh yeah. I was not allowed. Okay. Do you, do, do you know what they are? Though? I'm aware of video games. He read the Wikipedia. This is why his vocabulary. Yeah, this vocabulary is why he's got a great vocabulary because he didn't play Sega. Any video game with a sporting game in Sega had basically the graphics of cardboard cutouts. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel a little intimidated by where we're at in the stage of the world that I feel like maybe now we're definitely in a video game, and that's what. That's what I'd see on the TV now. It's intimidating. Yeah. All the fans. So, but they don't really move it. You don't put vibrators on. Here's a wall. Right? Yep. But I'm, as long as it's not Aladdin from Sega, because I can never get out of the. I forgot Aladdin. Remember was a that game. one? It was so hard, I could never get out of the little magic carpet ride where it was like over the lava. It was like the second scene of the game. And like, I could never get past <laughs> <laughs> video games not your thing. Keep it past level two. So, so you grew up not able to play video games? I mean, we had a Nintendo 64 later in life, and it was a big deal. Like, it felt like that we got that for Christmas. I have a younger brother, so when I say we, that's I guess who I refer to and my, my parents as well. But um, I think I might have been like nine when we got the Nintendo, which is like cool, but um, not a weird age to have a video game system. But I remember there being a moment of like me thinking, wow, nothing's ever going to be the same after this in kind of a very melancholy way. I was really sad because I was like, now we're going to be, you know, video normal? game kids. Yeah, normal kids. <laughs> and, uh, but we actually weren't allowed to play for more than 30 minutes at a time, or, uh, like a day. So we were in that case strictly, you know, restrained from doing anything. But, um, I I remember and, I, and a lot of movies and like like I never saw the Power Rangers growing up I never saw um, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or anything anything that like those touchstones of 90s culture were not part of my life because the only thing we were allowed to watch was basically PBS and like VHS tapes of PBS shows and uh, what video game did you have that was allowed well, we had no, no. We had Mario Kart. We played Mario Kart a lot. Mario it's Kart sixty four. Yeah, no. It was it was all yeah, cartoony. You know, Nintendo classic. Donkey Kong sixty four. Um, sports games. You know, like we had. So so I, I know what you're talking about with the cardboard cutout thing because it was the same for the like yeah MLB triple play or whatever. <laughs> like you know, and just like watching the little people in the stands waggle back and forth, but. Uh, <laughs> That's why I said vibrator. Right? You go to the Adam's seat. Yeah, that's what I was going. Like, get the cardboard cutouts to move a little bit, you know, not that way. Um, but uh, but then uh, later on, like I remember the first movie that um, was sort of like a PG thirteen movie that we went out to the theater to see, and I wasn't yet thirteen. Was Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, and my parents had to go see it first to make sure that like it was okay. Um, but, what would have uh, made it not okay? If there was sexual content, probably, or like, um, but I, I, at that point, they were like, fuck it, you know, <laughs> we've done all we can, they're at school now, they're, you know, he's gonna be 13, and it wasn't like I was far away. Was, was they, um, like, worried it was gonna just ruin you altogether by having this, or that you just wouldn't learn hard work? Like, what was, what was the reason? I don't think it was a work thing, I think it was a, um... It was simultaneously, if I had to guess, it seemed to be simultaneously a, you know, it's dribble and it's not, it's like going to make you stupid and you're just going to be like, 
a robot in front of you know video games or TV or, or movies or whatever. Um, and also the idea that it was going to make us like mean spirited or it was going to make us selfish or rude kids. Like the what the a good example is that um, I uh, my brother and I weren't allowed to watch The Lion King from Disney, um, and the reason was because my mother didn't like that it had two brothers in it who were fighting. Because, because because she didn't want us to be to know that brothers could fight or Wait, hate each other. They were fighting? They <laughs> like, like one got murdered. murdered. <laughs> one murdered the other one. I think like fighting is not Taking it lightly there. They, they, yeah, brothers with a blood feud, but like, yeah, so that was no good. And anything with like rude humor, like farts and stuff was like, and even if she thought there were, like, I think that like, I don't think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had, like, a lot of poop jokes or anything in there, even though they were in the sewer, but, like, um... But that was enough. But she, yeah. but my mom thought that there would, like, she assumed that it was, like... I was gonna say, did she have to, like, do they, do they have a life outside of, like, pre-screening <laughs> everything? Like, Your mom clogs What's on the cloud? Like, Lion King. Content today. I, I think that it, it, that was why it was such a thing, where it was, like, almost everything was like sort of not in the house in the sense that it was like rather than approve case by case they were like you're not going to be part of that and then if we asked to be you know like we wanted to you know i don't know see lord of the rings or something they would then they would go and like vet it or something like that um but uh yeah that was it boy did you ever like sneak content no but this was the thing so we did have a friend of the neighborhood um who lived around the corner um and their house was like, anything goes. And so that was like, you would go, it was very different world. Like the TV was on all the time over there. Like just, if no one was watching it, it was on. But like on Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or something. So that's where I would see like Rugrats and, and um, you know, uh, Johnny Bravo or whatever. And like this, so I, it did feel cool. And they had WWE wrestling, probably at the time WWF wrestling on the PlayStation. So that was fun as well. So this was how I got like, and then kids at school would talk about stuff and I would either have to pretend as though I knew what it was, which was the start of a long and fruitful, you know, life of pretending that I know what's going on. Um, or I would just be like, I don't know what that is. And then everyone would kind of like make fun of me a little bit to the point where I felt a little bit alienated. So I don't know. I mean, I feel fine about it now. I think it was probably a good move to like, I don't feel like I missed out, but at the time I definitely felt I was missing out on yeah. stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. That's how I feel about pop culture. I have so many people talk to me about movies that I should have seen in my 20s. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids at 21, and I didn't see a lot of movies. I was changing diapers, right? <laughs> and getting in fights with my, my, my wife. No, getting that. With your kids fighting with a baby? Fighting, yeah, over everything <laughs> in my life. I just miss it and I never figured that out, but it's like, I don't know. I guess they did all right, you know. Got some, got some kids. I, you know. Did you spend a lot of money on therapy because of? No, I've never been to therapy, but I really think that I should. I think that this is something that I, everybody should do, apparently. Um, but I don't know what I would everybody find. Everybody is doing it. It seems like you're yeah. always behind. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, get with it. Everyone's doing therapy, okay? Now you're gonna have to pretend. Yeah. I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to read the plot summary of therapy online and then like be like, yeah, my favorite character is, you know, Dr. Joan. Although, although mom and dad did good because 
your vocabulary, like I said, for the fourth time is, is fantastic. You used at least six words I did not understand during that whole time. Oh, jeez. Wow. It was actually like drivel or dribble. 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 It's, it's, a, it's a dribble. Dribble? Is he talking sports it's now? It's because he's not using real words. <laughs> not, not real words. <laughs> I had a stroke last year and I've just been regained, but I say things wow. that sound like they were words. You had and a then, stroke? No, I didn't have a stroke. Oh, that's good. Do you have anything, like with your kids, do you have like content preferences for them or things that you think are like they should be off limits? I mean, you definitely are influenced by what you especially watch it's so like graphic uh i would say definitely when they were younger they're 86 so especially my older boy i was really more uh like your parents in this, the way with food and what they consumed like because i knew at a young age it, i mean obviously there's we're super young that getting them the a right amount of, like right food before giving them I wanted to get my kids to the point where they could then distinguish and actually feel what it was like to have like a sugar high and be able to distinguish it and, and understand what like the difference between when we say that food's good, we really often speak to the, the taste, which is usually like, especially with things that aren't good with us, taste really good and we associate good with that, but they're not necessarily healthy. And I was just like, because I, at 22, I opened up a CrossFit gym and ran a CrossFit gym, and I was so involved in that. I was just like, holy shit, this stuff's like crack. Mm -hmm. You know, sugar's like crack. So I'm like, uh, I don't need crackhead kids right now. And just being around kids that were, in my opinion, like fucking psycho, mm -hmm. because they were just eating like shit, and they would go zombie mode to like crackhead stealing a car type people. Right. So I was, I was more on that. Um, I don't have a TV, but yet I have... A phone or an iPad so I, we watch stuff eventually but especially when I got divorced I had to lax up a lot because they would say hey we went to McDonald's or whatever so that process kind of changed me and they're still young so they're 86 yeah. so for the last two a two-ish years I've gotten a lot more lax on the content and there's certain aspects like I take them to the improv show I yeah think, yeah I mean and there's things that they laugh at that Nobody else in the theater will laugh at because they're kids and they laugh at kids thing because they said butt on stage, you know, which is super great. And then the other adult jokes they, they don't get. But no, I, I try to, I, I feel like I was lucky because my parents exposed me to a lot of different, uh, it felt like a lot, feels still like a lot to a lot of different, um, I wouldn't say cultures, but just m music and people. And, and I, we, we weren't really, really traveled, but my dad associated with a lot of different types of people and because I was exposed to that, that kind of made me, you know, I don't know, versed. What am I trying to say here? So I try to, yeah, that's what I, I try to expose my kids as much as I can to different musics and different things to just kind of see what they gravitate towards. So I, I don't really have anything particularly like I don't I try not to watch hard when everybody in their grade is watching Black Panther or like Marvel, <laughs> kind of like to your point, but yeah, I, I, would yeah. prefer they, I would prefer that if they do get those things, that it's like a 20 to 80. Like I'm making sure that's like getting that 80% so they can actually see the difference and almost kind of like make a decision. So I'm a really reflective parent. I probably relate as a parent to your parents, but I also like, I have to look around. There's too many millionaires playing video games right now, getting contracts that are bigger than like pro athletes and I'm like I don't fucking know what's best for my kids I have no idea I, I really have no clue what to tell them to do or not do I just kind of observe them and say do you want to keep trying that or you don't want to keep trying that and then make sure they're not assholes yeah that's, that's all you can do yeah to make sure that you don't grow yeah but 
I think now, just thinking about when you're talking about like a tablet or a phone or something, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I used to be a middle school teacher uh, up until this year, but seeing like the tablet, like games and phone games and apps and things that they're very, you know, kids are very comfortable with. It's not like an old person. Like kids are so comfortable with their phones today. But like, you know. You grew up without even internet in I, your house. We, we didn't. You're we, so old. It was a big deal when we got internet in the house. Um, and uh, yeah. Got to dial up on the AOL modem and all that, um, but uh, and I think once that happened too, that was the beginning of the end of the like firewall of content because I think I was maybe thirteen or fourteen when we got AOL, and at that point, it was all available for us. But um, so the kids in junior high, they're, they're, they're comfortable with. They're it. comfortable with. They play. They have these games, and and they're, the parents, I feel like, take it as a given that a they're going to have access to this technology, and b they do use it as meaning as a parenting resource in the sense to like know where they are. And these are teenage kids; they're older than yours. But you know, being able to text them or theoretically call them, spies on her seventeen-year-old all day long. <laughs> do you have the life, the life lot, whatever that is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It, it is though. It's so it does so much. It's, it is. A, it can be a book. Like I was at first when they were like one through four-ish, I was like, I don't want you really on those things. But now it's like, even if you're a painter or a, an artist in some, some drawing fashion, you're, you're really drawing it for the digital world. It's not just on some sort of physical canvas thing. It's, it's you know, so learning how to, because writing with a Sharpie or a pen or brush on like some sort of material versus on an iPad is way different. Mm -hmm. So it's like, get them behind if you don't kind of allow them to do some of that stuff. You see a lot of stuff as middle schoolers. You're in the know now. Is that what you taught middle school was to get back to like knowing all the stuff? I need, I need to redo middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just want to do it. It was a Billy Madison situation. You know, I just want to do it all over again. Turn into a Groundhog Day situation instead. Mm, yeah. That's good. You know, Billy Madison. I was talking to somebody yesterday who didn't know what Billy Madison because her parents did not allow her to watch movies like that and also grow up the same way. And I was just like. I, just, I don't think my parents cared. Like, my, my mom, like, she cared. Like, she'd be like, didn't watch these things. Like, I remember I wasn't allowed to watch Brendan Stimpy. Like, my dad didn't care. You know, my parents barely didn't, like, barely raised me. <laughs> what was your upbringing like? <laughs> they sent me to, like, so I worked at a farm from the time I was 11. So I would go to school, and then I would come home and do my homework, and then by 4 o'clock I was at the farm, and I'd be there until 9 o'clock at night. And then I would work. So I'd have one day off a week. I'd be off on Saturdays. And, like, I would just sit in my room and, like, just be like, no one talk to me. I'm sick of people. <laughs> and, like, I called it my hermitage time. And then <laughs> on Sundays, I would work from, like, 9 in the morning until, like, 5 o'clock at night giving riding lessons and training horses and stuff like that. And I did that, like, until I went to college. So, like, I never saw my mother like, except on Saturdays when I hid in my room. Because <laughs> she would leave for work, and I'd leave for school, and then, like, my dad would just drive me to the barn, or my brother would. And so we'd have, like, two things that would be for dinner. Like, we'd have field parmesan or beef stroganoff. What weird things? <laughs> Those are two strange dishes to have. Like, I thought you were going to be like, it's, it's Lunchables or something. No. Like, something quick, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's weird. It, oh, or, or, Stover's, or Stover's meatloaf. Cause they were all microwavable, so my dad would just be like, bat, beep, boop, boop, and they'd be like, pick your, tip, pick your poison, and be like, nom, 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 and then off I'd go, you know. So it's just that was that was my whole upbringing. Where are you, where are you from? From Pittsburgh. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Were you giving writing lessons at 11? Were you saying you went and worked no, in the farm? No, I didn't start write, giving lessons until I was about 14. So I was just there. Like, I would help. I would, like, ride some of the horses. Like, these crazy people would put this 11-year-old. They would get thoroughbreds right off the racetrack, right? And they were trying to sell them. And so they would put me on these horses that just came off the racetrack. We would fall off and just be bouncing off the walls, get taken off with all sorts of things. And I did that for years. And I'm just, I look back now, I'm like, why wasn't anyone like trying to keep me alive? You know, well, you, I was just a crash test dummy. It makes more sense about your legs when you're on stage, you know, and the wobbling around. Falling yeah. off horses probably, probably made you dance a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to be rubbery when you're around this people. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned how to bounce when you're around them. So, Do you yeah. still, are you doing any lessons or anything like that? So right now, not really. Um, it's COVID, I guess. Yeah, but it's just kind of like, especially right now, it's cold too. Oh. But yeah, I kind of like, so after, because what, I've been in horses for over 25 years now. And it's just kind of like I'm getting to the point where my body's like, this isn't as healthy for you as it should be anymore. So I really slowed down with it, but it's, it'll always be one of my loves, you know, but it's just kind of like, it's almost like it was so ingrained to me as a child, but I'm looking back at how toxic it was my entire life. And I'm like, maybe this isn't the healthiest thing for me. It's just something I'm so used to. What do you mean? What do you, what do you, I'm trying to. So I like have leased farms and like, so the last place I was like employed by someone else was how I moved out here. And there, it's just like, I'm so used to like constantly working because that's how I was, you know, raised that I was working six days a week since I was a child. And so I was working at this farm and um, she, the lady got sick and then she couldn't hold on to any help because she really wasn't paying them any money to do all this labor, right? But I'm so dumb that I'm just like, burr, 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 I'll do everything, right? So I was working there seven days a week, just like, and I was tallying it up. I was working like over 80 hours a week. And I asked the lady, I was like, hey, you know, you're supposed to be like looking for help for me. You know, have you looked for anyone? And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Well, well, I'm being used, you know. And then we had a homeless guy that she hired that was working there. And he was an alcoholic. And we found that he was like hiding all of this like liquor and stuff in the hay. And then he was like abusing one of the horses with a shovel. And I was like, well, we need to fire this guy. And she's like, who am I going to get to work here for such little money and do so much work. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what you think about me too. And I was like, well, now I need to leave, you know? And so, it's just, but I mean, looking back, it's kind of like the fact that I'm so willing to jump in and do stuff so that it's just kind of like, I've had that story my whole life and I'm like, I'm just tired, you know? So it's just like, I just need to learn to say no and walk away. It sounds like it's one of those, in, like those individuals, like, like ice skating or gymnastics where like you have to be in the gym at like mm -hmm. five in the morning or on the rink so early in the morning and then you're like cleaning up after and you're teaching them like toddlers and you're doing this and that. And um, yeah, it, it's a, that, what a cycle. Is it, has the culture changed at all do you think since you started? Um, no, no, it's a very like, I, so I tried to watch Tiger King. Did you watch Tiger King? I saw a couple episodes. You I'm a workaholic just like you. Yeah. So. But it's like, it was so triggering for me to watch it. Because the way that the animal industry works, no matter where it is apparently, is like that they try to, they, I can't believe I haven't been like human trafficked, honestly. Because I have just like driven across the country on like a job that I go and I live on a farm by myself, you know, so like, 
So like I've lived in Wisconsin and Florida and New York where I just up and pack my car and I'm like, I'm going to go work for you now. And then a couple times I've just had to flee in the middle of the night because it's just such a horrible situation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's expand on all of this. this is, and this is where the comedy comes right? from. This is where... Comedy comes from trauma. So we'll get it. Facts. Facts. It's how we deal. Yeah. So that's that's why I am the way I am though, because it's just yeah. You want some more crystal? Ooh. Yeah. Fill yeah. yeah. me up. Top me off. Top you off. Gosh, this is the first bar service I've gotten in right. uh, a long time. <laughs> Thank you. My little purified. Yeah, purified. I feel like I'm perpetually dehydrated, which is not a good thing. But no, you should you should definitely be hydrated. I should be carrying one of those things around all day and just you know, I don't know how many you need two, three. Honestly, I probably drink uh, half of that a day. Okay, I'm, fair enough. Uh, that's no, you should drink <laughs> one, and, one and a half. <laughs> a day. But Kelly, you're so you're so fit. <laughs> uh, it's because I don't have any water. You're like one of those wrestlers who's like, I'm just gonna spit in a bucket all day. I can't have any moisture in me. <laughs> uh, my hands can't 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 do anything anymore. <laughs> Tell me the Tiger King story of your life. Oh. I, mean, I didn't want to skip past that. So, what's the worst one? Probably Wisconsin. Sound It's probably one of the craziest ones. So, um, I got this job in Wisconsin where I was supposed to go out there and be like an assistant trainer. So, like teaching lessons, training horses, that kind of stuff. I went out and visited, which, first of all, was crazy because I found this job listing online, right? So, it was in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Where at online? on Yard and Groom, which is a horse website okay. for finding employment in the horse industry, okay? So I find this job and I'm like, this sounds nice. So I'm like researching it online, blah, 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 blah. So I fly out there. So it's in, it's in La Crosse, Wisconsin, but you can only fly in Madison, which is two hours away from La Crosse because it's across the mitten, right? So this woman who I'm supposed to be interviewing with drives out to pick me up at the airport. So now I'm trapped in a car with her for two hours to go back to Good her start. Home. So I think this is fine, right? So I'm gonna stay at her house for the whole weekend and everything like that. So I go and we see the farm and we go to a horse show while I'm there and all that stuff. So it's like the whole weekend. So I'm like, okay, yes, I'm in, right? So I fly back home and then I just pack up my car. I tell my parents, I'm like, all right, I'm moving to Wisconsin this week. And they're like, fine. So. Of course. You can warm up the beef around here or whatever. But. Get that string up. So I Take drive. The, so I drove. So I learned my lesson when I moved to Florida to not try to do it all in one day because I got really, really sick driving to Ocala by myself. So I drove like nine hours and I hit Chicago right at rush hour. And I was like, oh my God. So I got through Chicago at that and then I stayed in Elgin or something like that. And then the next day I got to Wisconsin. I remember when I first drove into Wisconsin, the first thing I noticed was that every hour on the five, they would play the farm report, like how much cows cost. And I was like, what is this place? So I was like, this is interesting. So I get there and initially there were two other girls that were like the working students. So one of them there somehow got a working visa from London and was staying there. And she was really nice, but she was like, my visa's up, I'm going back to England. We're like, okay. And then another girl was there, Amy. And so she was living in the little tin house down on the farm. And I was living 
in the lady's house. She had like a mother-in-law suite downstairs. Okay. And so I'm living in there in this one little room and then like I had to share everything with her family, which I thought was a little weird, but okay, you know? So finally Amy moves out, so I moved down to the little tin house. Now the little tin house had a bathroom outside of my house, so I didn't have one inside. So I had to walk out and I had to share a bathroom with everybody. So she, her husband was the waste management director of lacrosse, right? So they had this giant garage with all this equipment in it. So anybody that was working on the equipment or anything would use my bathroom. And so it's like, I would have to be like, I'm in the shower. <laughs> like, please don't come in. So, <laughs> so that was strike one. And so then also, like you had to walk through the kitchen, then the living room, and then through another room to get to my bedroom. And so then, um, the first weird red flag was that the lady that I worked for, she also worked at um, a plasma clinic. And she would get up really early in the morning, and she would just come into my house, and she would sit on the end of my bed and talk to me <laughs> at 5 a.m. and be like, here are some things that we need to do today. <laughs> I'm like, why the hell are you mad at me? So I started propping stuff up against the door, and she would just blast me. Oh my God. <laughs> So then um, the next worst thing was that the house was infested with moles. So she put out some, not rats, but moles. moles. So she put poison out. So anytime I'd open a door or cabinet or something, like moles would just rain down, like all these dead bodies. <laughs> I would open it, it would just be everywhere. It was awful. So I'd just be throwing out moles all the time. And then, um, then she was only paying me like $200 a week, right? And so I was like, I think I need to make more money. And she's like, why don't you come donate plasma? <laughs> <laughs> so I tried, right? I did, I was like, oh, this sounds like a real idea. Why don't I just take a second job pumping myself dry and sell my plasma? But I went and my heart beats too slowly, so I couldn't even donate plasma. What? Yeah, so my heart, especially at that point, I think they put my little arm in the cup and it was only being like 33 beats a minute. And they're like, our machines pump faster than your heart, so we collapse your veins. And I was like, listen, what if I ran here? I was like, if I, <laughs> I was like, then my heart would be good. She's like, no, it would slow down. <laughs> she told me that she'd never seen someone with as slow a heartbeat as mine. So, That's alarming. Is that improved at all? Um, I'm at like 40. So 40 to 42 is where I am now. But yeah, so then the straw that broke the camel's back was that my dog died back in Pittsburgh. And so I was just like, you know what? What if that was somebody in my life, like my parents or something that died? Why am I not closer to home? So I just packed up in the middle of the night because I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I just packed up and I left and I never looked back. They never tried to get a hold of you? Um, she sent me a letter, but I never read it. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I know. I wish I knew where the letter was. <laughs> I was going to say, I wish you kept that letter. That would have been awesome. It might be in a box. I don't know. But yeah, so she sent me a letter. And that was that was it. It's yeah. weird that she would send you a letter in the post as opposed to like. I don't even know if she had my address. Yeah, well that, but maybe when you applied, you put your parents' oh, address on. Yeah. But like, you she never had your phone number. Did you yeah, know? Yeah, she did. But I don't, she probably tried to call me. And I was just like, oh, no, fair no. How old are you at this point? Probably, I was like twenty-four. Okay. Oh, I remember because it was, I, I just turned twenty-four when I was there. Because I remember she brought up Golden Birthday. I had never heard of that before. And she got me a little GPS for my Golden Birthday. I didn't know Golden Birthday until my kids told me, like, in the last year. 
Is, is that like it? when your birthday, it like the date of your birth, like if your birthday is the 24th, is 24 your golden yes. birthday? Is that how it works? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, I, those weren't a thing in my quasi-Mormon household. I you think know. you should call your parents and thank them that you didn't get <laughs> into a horse rink. Like, right? I was going to say, my life, I, I feel like the one thing that my sheltered upbringing did is it made me very risk-averse for like my entire <laughs> young life because I'm always thinking about like how is this corrupting me or how is this going to like ruin me and I oh never had God. a period you of You never like, thought that in your life. Well, no, I mean, I, I have some light risk aversion because my mother is, I, that's what I understand, like my mother is like Captain Risk, like everything scares her. But I was just like, eh. But she also knows that I won't listen to her. So I was just like, I'm leaving. See you later. Doing my thing. Yeah. Didn't she go on like the horse circuit with you? Or so? Aiden's mom has come to our shows a I couple did. times. That's right. And well, his brother was in my cast oh, that's uh, right. when he when I first started um, and started doing shows. He was in the cast. So I think your mother came and yeah. watched you both. So we've interviewed Tiny on stage before for Aiden's right birthday, and Tiny's trying to, she knows, yeah. we're like, put her on, put her on the no, pod. she just got her knee replaced, so she had Even better, up, put her on. So. <laughs> she, she would be very embarrassed. She gets very embarrassed. <laughs> but didn't she used to go around on like, when you were, not when you were working on the farm, when you were showing horses, wouldn't she go on the circuit with you? So when I was very little, and she would have to drive, she would go with me. But then as I got older, then I would just travel with uh, with like my trainer and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so she wasn't always there. Because I remember her talking about how she would, she had to keep the binders of like how what your scores were or mm -hmm. something like that. And there was one other, there was some controversy where some girl's parents were mad at Tiny because they thought Tiny was shaving points or something to try to make it look yeah. like Aiden was gonna win. <laughs> yeah. over the, but. They're, and Tiny's like, I do great math. My math is perfect. I she's, work at a bank, you know. She's the perfect bookkeeper. Where does she get the name Tiny? Just so for a while, I called her T Rex arms. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> My mother and I have a very odd relationship. Um, so then it went from that to just T Rex mom. And then it just got shortened somehow to tiny. I can't. It might have been my brother's ex-wife that started calling her tiny. Oh, okay. Maybe. But then it just stuck because it was much nicer than the T-Rex stuff. So we went with that one. Because <laughs> when I look at it, like she's my mother and I love her. You know, she's my mom. But it's like I can't really call her like mom. You know, it just feels weird. So she's just <laughs> wait what? Yeah, I don't know. She's just you're, tiny. You're just talking to me like. That's just normal. Like, yeah, you know, like, I can't talk to my mom and call her mom. It's like, yeah. no, I, I, I call my mom mom. So, no, explain this to me that I don't understand. I don't know. It's like, with the way, because I think because growing up, she wasn't, like, my only mother. Because, like, I was raised mainly by the people at the farm, which is sure. very scary. So, um, I don't know. Like, she's my mother, but she's not, like, mom. You know, like, you're tiny, you know? So, it's just. That makes sense. Yeah. What's, what do you call your mother? Mom, I guess, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> this is like it's a tale of two cities. Like I'm like sitting in some plush, you know, chamber, <laughs> eating, and I'm just you know, <laughs> shit, trying to survive. You're shoveling yeah. out a stall or What's something. Like, what do I, call? I call my dad Papa. Oh really? So, well, that's kind of Papa. posh. Papa or Potter? Hello, Potter. Wow, that's Potter and tiny. It's like Downton Abbey. Yes, hello, Papa. <laughs> so, so uh, apparently the horse. The horse uh, gamut is is not good or healthy. You said. I, Give so, me a better word. Give me a better word, Tyler. 
Well, no, it's, you know, okay. detrimental. It's, yeah, thank you. It's, so, so I think at a certain level, it, it's something that I would recommend to anyone for their children to do because it teaches them so much because with learning how to control such a large animal, right, it gives them so much confidence. It gives them so much responsibility so early on. Um, it gives them just just this ability to think, like, if I can do this, you know, then I can do anything, you know, and I love that. And I love, that's why I love teaching children how to ride because I love instilling that in them and just really like letting them bond with a creature, you know, and everything. But, um, the business side of it is really dark. And I was just talking to, to my friend Megan and I was like, you have to pretty much be a sociopath to run a successful farm. Like, honestly, you have, you can't, cause I just, like, I had a lady, um, that, that was working in Dayton and she convinced a bunch of her clients during the pandemic to go show in Florida over tiny cross trails, but you can do like at any sort of like show ever, but why would you spend two grand alone to just transport your horse down there and then have your kid run in four circles and that'll cost like another $1,500 when you could do it up here when there's not a pandemic, mind you, for like $400. But who thought this was a good idea? And that's not even travel costs for the people or anything involved. So you're looking at at least five figures to take your child down there for no reason whatsoever. So it's like you have to just be like, I want to suck these people dry as quickly as I can if you want to be successful at this. And I can't do that. That's a tough, tough business. Yeah. Well, it's also because like... Clearly, they're not paying anybody to work. Like, the labor situation is, like, exploitative as hell, right? Okay. So, like, it's all about keeping the, like, operating costs really, really low. Mm -hmm. So, that's where, they, so that's where they sell the working student, which is basically, like, unpaid labor where you go in and you learn the business. But basically, it's, like, you don't get paid to clean stalls and do all the labor and stuff. And you might get to ride a horse. And, that's, and that was the Tiger King thing that I saw. It's, like, these people got a place to live. They wanted to be around the tigers, you know? But then, then it's just like, there's really no benefit. It's just all this free labor and that you just feel like you're a part of something. It's almost like a cult, you know, it's just, it's, it's bananas. Sounds like improv comedy. Right? <laughs> Except you pay the improv, you're like, I'm going to pay you to take a class and then I'm going to perform for you. But like we do it, you know. I didn't say the healthiest. I was going to say, at least it's not a, well, depending on who you are, it's not as bodily you know, traumatizing. Yeah. But if you fall off the stage, it hurts like a bitch. So. Yeah. Did you fall off the stage? No, Jimmy, a guy in our group, Jimmy, poor Jimmy, is injury prone <laughs> and has hurt his knee and his foot and his, you know, falling off the stage or like hitting the wall or, you know, any number of things. I mean, um, but uh, no, I've never really, knock on wood, had a bad improv injury. Did you ever hurt yourself on stage? I don't think so, which is surprising. I think like I popped my knee once, but that was about it. You got loose ligaments. Yeah, at least I didn't get another concussion or anything. So. <laughs> is that from is that from the Tiger King horse? Story? Yeah, so I probably had at least seven. That's like a low estimate. I'm getting actually. You're right about this health thing. Yeah. Seven concussions and uh, no pulse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Am I alive? <laughs> I'm actually a zombie. <laughs> my god i'm concerned yeah that's a low estimate and then like my hip falls out that's a low estimate. <laughs> just slide that one in on top my hip falls out because i i fell off at a horse show and i didn't go get medical treatment and then later they're like yeah you like 
broke your iliac or whatever on my pelvis and oh. so like that's all messed up so i'm just i'm just patched together with rubber cement <laughs> and guess that's it i don't know <laughs> like I'm, I'm quite concerned actually like, everyone okay? kind of is yeah okay <laughs> You listen to this, please. Uh, I'll take donations. Take donations. <laughs> and she's told these stories on stage multiple times. And the, your gift, I think, is that when you tell the stories, people do laugh at them instead of going, oh. Because, like, sometimes you're just like, this is so. It's just so absurd, though. Like, I. It's funny because I look back and I now I realize, like, how messed up it was, you know, but I think that that's what's so funny about it because it's like. You know, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> Nothing. I was listening to a story uh, on another podcast about the, the comedian Miss Pat, and she tells a, a joke about the time she was shot in the back of her head about from her baby daddy. And so she literally, like, tried and tried and tried. I, I think a couple years what she said to actually get the joke to be funny. But she's like, what else am I supposed to do about it, right? At this point, it's been shot in the back of her head. And she, I think the, I think the punchline was she just didn't duck fast enough. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah. I'm, I'm, pr I'm proud of your parents. Let them know I said You're proud of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll let them know. They'll right. be pleased. They're great parents. I don't mean to cast any aspersions on them, but uh, um, yeah, they're wonderful. I mean, yeah. they, they taught you how to dress. They, yeah. <laughs> they taught me how to dress like a little boy for my entire life, you know? Just, <laughs> just a little kid on his way to Sunday school with his little sweater and his khaki pants. Just like a nice formal Build-A-Bear. Yeah, a little Build-A-Bear. Like, you know, that's, I think that's how they approached my wardrobe. They're like, go to the Oshkosh, Oshkosh <laughs> get an overall in size 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and just roll him through until he doesn't want to wear those anymore. And then, uh, you know. Yeah, you do kind of look like, like my grandparents had this little, like, fake fake doll and standing in the corner and got all this Oshkosh clothing on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody else? Yeah, like a, a My Buddy or something? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. Crazy. I, I thought it was my nephew once just standing in the corner. <laughs> I think it's funny that you called it a fake doll because that implies, you know, I guess a real doll is a different thing, but, you know. I guess I never thought of A real that. boy. A real I think a real doll is like a sex doll. They call, That's a oh, trademark really? name. Yeah, a oh. real doll. But, uh, Tell yeah. us what else you know about that industry. Yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> Six. Then time for my sordid stories, you know. So what is this sweater really about? When I worked in the six stuff. <laughs> As an eleven year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just uh, you know, yet again, just soak it up through osmosis. I've never engaged personally, but you know. Why don't I just you guys listen to a podcast. Why don't we do a podcast? Yeah. Oh jeez. That'd be a fun thing to do. What if there are too many podcasts already, Kelly. You cornered the market in this town. I am not. <laughs> I, um, I, we have gone through the roof of listeners. It's where I think we're at like six and a half, seven. On the hey, now. Nice. But you have sponsors and stuff. Like you I have ads stuff. in the podcast and everything. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, do the read. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm working on it. That's yeah. it. I don't think, I actually think um, there's plenty of room for more podcasts. Yeah. Because I think people in general... Have kind of gravitate toward gravitate towards like the big ones at first, but then after they kind of listen to that and everybody has listened to it, they kind of find the ones that they they want to listen to. And plus, I think it's just always cool to see people you know have a podcast. And 
I would listen to the podcast oh, you guys have. So. We have a listener. We like, yeah, yeah that's right. We're, <laughs> we're on our way, baby. Yeah. I mean, our IG, our Instagram live shows basically become like podcasts because all we do is just kind of like catch so up with each saying. catch up with each other for the first you know ten minutes. So we do some improv scenes and then you know then we're done. But uh, just pull those. You can you can pull those off and turn them into audio. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little podcast. Yeah. But since how, you guys can't perform on stage right now. <laughs> When the weather breaks, we'll we'll build a stage outdoors. That's what I was thinking. Outdoor improv is a real is a Take real thing. Freeze, freeze pavilion. Yeah, down here, uh, river skate. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. And the Levitt, uh, there's a Levitt pavilion, right? Is that what? That's yeah, that looks cool. Dave's a popular cool. place. Absolutely. You guys see? I think Chappelle's bringing a comedy club to Yellow Springs. Yes, I did read about this. That's exciting. I'll be headlining. <laughs> you were here first. Do you, have you ever done like open mic stand up? Um, I did stand up once, and that was supposed to be my project during lockdown, but I've never. Like, what do you mean project? I was gonna try to like write a tight five, you know, get some stand up going. What I happened? Just, I just never really started it, so just I don't know. I'm gonna interrogate you right now. That's fine. Um, I don't know. I just like every time I went to start writing, it's like I was angry. Who? I don't know. It's just like I just like there was something blocking like the good energy. So it's just like for me, I was like I want to wait until I'm in like a better place to start writing. And so recently, like we just I just wrote like a weird little sketch that I sent to you. And so it's like I'm starting to feel like I'm in like a better, like easier, more. I think because I hated my job and everything so much. So what were you doing? I was working as an accountant at a bank. And so, but it's just like, I just didn't like the people at all. So you're doing something different? Yeah, so now I get to work from home. I'm a loan analyst and it's wonderful. Oh, okay. So Same company or? No, it's a different company. Cool. Yeah, but now now I'm happier and it's like, I feel like everything's kind of like a lot lighter. And so I feel like I could be possibly funny again at some point. So. I'm interested to hear your sketch ideas and your stand up. Yeah. I think, what about you? Uh, have I ever done stand up before? Yeah. I, I did do stand up um, a few times at open mics in that, that was maybe right out of college. So um, that would be now five years ago or something like that. It was fine. I never felt as though um, I was very good. I, I, I always felt like I was struggling to find like a point of view or a voice for the stand up. And I think part of that is because. I do view my like background and upbringing as so sheltered and sort of bland and kind of boring. And maybe that is the comedy because, but when I tell the story about it, it you know, it maybe is that, but it was hard to find, I thought a, like a slant that was interesting. I felt like I was always like copying comedians that I liked sure. and sort of like aping their tone a little bit. And so with improv, I like improv a lot because it forces me to, um, you know, be more reactionary, react to things and, um, play a lot of different people and so like that so it's kind of a cheat in a way because the like point of view of the character is kind of big you can if you can find that it's easy because it doesn't have to be me you know as opposed to with stand-up I feel as though the comedy world is like finding something about yourself or something about your your uh, perspective and then sort of amplifying it or turning it up and so that that's the work of it, and I guess I guess what I'm saying is I didn't feel like working very hard at it. But um. I think the thing too is that that stand up is like so personal, you know. Like that was one of the things that really struck me when I did it. Like the one time was like that was the only time on stage like I've actually been like afraid, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm like this is me. 
who's actually like presenting something. You know, like these are my experiences, this is my point of view. And if people don't like that, then it's like, then they don't like Oh, you're standing naked on stage. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's awful. But like with improv, it's like, oh, I'm this person, you know, and I love being anybody else, you know? And so it's so much easier because it's like, well, if they don't like that, you know, I have so much more, you know, in my toolbox to play with and I have people to play off of, you know? So I just think that it's, it's, it's not an easier art form, but it's like, it's, and you have a partner too. It's easier know? in its own right, in like uh, in a different way. Like the improv is 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 the difficult. It's like it's easier than stand up on certain levels mm -hmm. because you don't actually have to. You just know the rules of improv and then have the ability to like trust yourself to just go out there and just play. Whereas you know stand up is difficult for the reasons that you're having a set and if you have no improv skills and you only have your you're writing and it sucks and yeah. you can't go off of that then you, you're just out there alone by yourself and like improv then you do have someone to kind of i, I mean I, a, a one person show i mean it's kind of like a mad person on stage two people you guys are normal <laughs> yeah <But> lately <laughs> very close too yeah did you did you guys get booed or did you just get crickets when you were on stage or no i got some I, not to brag i had some <laughs> success i got some laughs no i think i, I think going on tour it was yeah it wasn't like it was bad it just didn't feel authentic to me ever and yeah. so i just never felt as though it was only a couple times though right well i did it i probably for about a year or so and over that year probably did maybe six or seven sets so it wasn't like all the time but um probably but, not long enough to find your voice on stage not no exactly yeah. it, it, it's something i really do think with with stand-up you do have to take like you know two or three maybe five ten years if you i mean oh, it's, it's a constant evolution right because not to brag but they started a benefit at my college in order in honor of me so they did stand-up standoff um, and then I was the headliner for that. That was the only time I ever did stand up. Um, they created so, the show to showcase yeah. viewers, which, okay. It wasn't a benefit for your like, the horse thing. Aiden is a make a wish. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was like, somebody let me have ice cream with Tony <laughs> So we did that, but so I wasn't allowed to win. So it was like for all of Greek life that they said everybody would like submit their stand up. So. I got to do that. Have they invited you back as a headliner since? No, because I don't do anything. <laughs> and I don't do anything because it's school. So they're like, you're not allowed to come back. <laughs> what school is this? Westminster College. Oh my gosh. That's, uh, I have a friend who, uh, her partner is the graduate there. Oh, nice. He's on the rock climbing team there. Ooh. Yeah. See if they still do stand up, stand up. <laughs> stand up, I will, I will ask. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll be like, I know the person who like they paid that for. They started. You know the the the, the girl that's from Make a Wish. <laughs> <laughs> Make a Wish. They call it the Aiden Miwa Memorial, and it's like uh, she's still alive. <laughs> barely. Like, barely. She doesn't have a heart. My heart will be tomorrow. Uh, the brain is mush from um, all the concussions. Have you done stand up ever? I have not. Okay. I want to and have been writing pretty much throughout the pandemic. Uh, well, since summer, a joke a day of just trying. And I'm excited to get up on stage and just, I'm not necessarily get booed, but just get that feeling of like, here's how I feel. I feel that if I can do musical, if I can lead the musical improv on Wednesday nights at the improv theater and have zero desire to do it and fucking terrible at it, and I can stand up there and do that shit, then I can at least go up there and just, hear crickets and I would be fine. I, I, cause I know it's a process and, and you talked about like, 
being judged. And you are, you're, you're being judged for your perspective. I do think the thing about improv though that is super interesting is it did teach you the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. So like, I do feel like a lot of my comedy isn't necessarily about just my perspective or my view on like politics or life in general, but it's just like, oh, they're driving down the car and this interesting thing happened beside me. How do I amplify it mm -hmm. like I would if I was on the improv stage? So it's like, I do kind of look at that perspective. I've never done it though. To answer the question simply, I, I was, I'm, that's my plan this year is to get up on stage and do a few open mics. I was trying to travel this year and just um, like run Spartan races outside and, and hopefully create like a documentary. And then as I'm learning, stand wow, up. That's cool. That's awesome. So we'll see how that goes. It's February. And I mean, I guess there's a lot of years. The year is young. The year yeah. is young. This isn't even next year yet. It's still. It's a used year. When the, oh no, the Chinese New Year just happened, right? Oh yeah, Lunar New Year is upon us. So uh, yeah, it's turn? happened. I don't know, Chinese New Year, <laughs> Lunar New Year. Well, I think we just asked you questions because I feel like at some point in time, since you had no childhood, you read a book on it. Oh yeah, sure. That's, what's the, yeah. what's Lenny Snicket? Lemony Snicket's? What's the show? A series of unfortunate events. Yes. Yes, that's it. I, you're those I when I see the Baudelaire kids, as I now I remember their names, I just I think of you. I'm like that. That's that's Tyler. That's I say that like not. I like I. I mean I'm. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I, that's that's not bad. You're lightly offended. No, I I'm I, which one? Which one of the three? <laughs> that's the real question. The baby. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> Who just bites everything and everyone? Just, oh yeah. The only thing that doesn't make sense now. Hold on. So I want to. I think sketch comedy, though, I think is more exciting mm -hmm. to me. Um, I think it's just like the thing I actually like about improv is having a team, but I like the speed of it. Like, you get a lot of at bats. You get to mm -hmm. try a lot. Like mm -hmm. you can't get done with the thirty-minute improv, and I'm like, oh, you're just getting started. Like I want to keep on keeping on, and like that's just fun to just keep innovating and playing and trying new things. And I think sketch, especially now with something like YouTube you can create a lot of sketches and you can produce them yourself. You yeah. don't have to land on a show or do anything. You get a bunch of friends together and like, hey, we're gonna create this idea and it can be shot on your iPhone. Mm -hmm. It just makes it really easy to actually, you know, I guess, I guess you can do it without recording it, but I would rather record it. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. So sketch is, I think, a lot more interesting to me. And I, I write, alongside of writing a joke every day, I've been writing a sketch. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a um, sketch commercial type of deal. Like I take a brand or something like that and I'm like, okay, how do I write this as like a comedy commercial or mm -hmm. something like that? So just like practicing mm -hmm. every day at, at best about just comedy. I just, when I got to improv three years ago, I think it was, it was just like, I just fell in love. I had no idea I was going to love to be a performer because I played college sports. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, look at me, you know, like I played college <laughs> sports, Jesus Christ. I'm like, but I play, I, I just was not, I was actually, my younger brother who's five years younger than me, was somebody who was in the performing arts. And I was kind of just jealous that I never, I was too afraid. I was too afraid to be judged on any of those. And he did like leads in like Sweeney Todd, he was, he was the, the lead in that. And he like would be in singing, we had a singing, dancing show choir, he was in that. And it's like, he's got cojones, he's got the balls. Like I'm just out here playing baseball, <laughs> playing with my balls. And sorry, sorry. Wow. Wow. Went there. Uh, explicit content now. Man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, I, I think when I started improv, it was much more like, oh, this is something I want to do and like get good at. And like, 
uh, hopefully get better and better and better at it. And um, so I was bummed when it was went away mm -hmm. for yeah. much, but I have found a creative outlet through doing some other stuff. So that's yeah. exciting for me. That is good, and that's that. I'm impressed by the discipline to like write a, write a thing a day and all that. Like that's the thing that you know. I feel like I have to develop. I think for me, if I was to write, sit down and say, okay, I'm gonna write on Saturdays, and that two hours comes around, I would just judge myself too much on what I write. But mm -hmm. if I just take, like, I carry this little crayon box with me everywhere, uh, you know, this little whatever, and I carry these blank note cards, and I just, I just take one out and I write, and I have no give a fuck about what's on. I don't make, I don't make sure the joke is good. I just say that's funny to me. I'm gonna write it down, and I think over time it helps me just like get better. Like I feel like if you do anything every day with the intention of like studying and getting better, it's kind of like impossible to get somewhat good at it. I, ho I hope, I don't know, I'm, you know, I, I think there's some people who never do get better, but for the most part, I think you kind of do. So, and I keep it simple. Like I have, like the, the whole point is to, even if it's like, I'm writing a joke right now and I just take one thing, I'm like, okay, I did my joke today. Mm -hmm. So I keep it really simple. Yeah. I have a dumbbell somewhere around here and I just like, okay, 50 swings. Just take the dumbbell and just swing it 50 times. I can easily do that every day. And so it's like, I don't have to schedule an hour to go to the gym or some yeah. bullshit, so. Yeah. Do you write sketches? Uh, I, from time to time, do. I'm actually taking a an online comedy class right now uh, through the Brooklyn Comedy Collective that is like, character monologue so it's like one it's kind of like single person sketches where it's uh sort of like weekend update style characters that you would except you just kind of like there's no anchor to play off of it's just you write it through so i'm doing that because i miss being different people um and so <laughs> and so i'm trying it but that's been really super helpful and that's the first sort of organized comedy writing that i've done um probably since I was in a sketch group in college. Um, and then I've also been writing for um, a web series that my friend uh, is is actually producing and hosting himself at home. So what's the um, web series about? It's called Getting Schooled. And okay. uh, there's only one episode of it. And but so uh, yeah, but it's it's about so my 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 friend Chris is um, uh, he is uh, educator at a charter school in the South Bronx and then I was a teacher um, and then uh, the third person the other writer slash producer um, also works at his uh, South Bronx community school and then um, and her mom is actually a school teacher in Dayton so she's from Dayton too if they didn't know each other before they met nice. at work um, but the show is like a daily show or John Oliver style thing but specifically about education policy okay. so that's why it's called getting schooled but uh, my friend Chris's like uh, ambition is to ultimately become like a performer or a host of a of a series or um, you know be in comedy or act in some kind of a way and then so this is him trying to like create something that kind of showcases himself and then uh, yeah so so you're, um, you're a writer on it? I'm a writer on the show um, and uh, so our one episode is out and then uh, there'll be another one coming at some point. Where's that? It's, is it on YouTube? Uh, I'm not sure if he put it on YouTube or if it's just on like his Facebook page or something, but uh, he has like a performer, like a, you know, I don't know what you call it, like a performer page or so. It's not like his profile or anything. So yeah. you can look up Christopher De La Cruz and see. I'm probably, I don't know if this would tell him all this personal information on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, he works. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. He, work, he works at this place. school. Here's where he goes for his right. groceries. Are you, are you on IMDb? I'm not on IMDb, but we're not. Uh, the Strict of Potomac is not. We're on not. A, we've never been in a film. Right. We've never appeared on I'm, a. I'm on there. You are. I am. For what? For writing a children's show for a Christian network. What? <laughs> Where are these coming from? I'm just pulling these out of like pockets. Got a trench coat on. Just Listen, these crazy I stories. I have lived a very weird life. And I feel like you. I like when you're just telling these stories. I just see you like, like. With a stick and a the little bag yep. thing, and you just like going around, you got grease on your face, and you just like, where's your off the bag, like driving on the train, like I'm here to train the horses, smoking yeah, a cigarette as a sixteen or fourteen year old. I answered an ad on Craigslist, oh, <laughs> and they're looking for a writer for a children's television show for the Christian Network, and I was like, well, I can fake that. I've never gone to church <laughs> once in my life, but I was like, oh, whatever. So it was called Professor Bounce's Kid Fit. And so I had to write. You, did you name it? No, no, it was given to me. Did you play Professor Bounces? No, I only ever wrote. I didn't get to, I've never even seen the show. <laughs> I wish I had like a TV show. Like, what's on and so I had to write like little programs about like exercises and stuff for kids to do to make them fit. And then it had to end with like a prayer every time. And so, yeah. Can you, can you, can you give us one of those? With the prayers? Yeah. Did you write no. the prayers? No, I would I would steal them. I would copy and paste it from the last <laughs> episode. So it'd always be like written by Amy and I would always have to have like a subcredit with the person that wrote the prayer. So because I didn't have one of those. So I was like, here's Professor Bounce's prayer. How many episodes did you do of that? I think I did like eight, maybe. That's nice. Fine. BB. BB. I can't I yeah. Do, is it BB? BB. Yeah, I, internet movie database. Yeah. Internet movie database. Do you have a profile picture on your IMDb? No, I don't. I didn't spring for the <laughs> for the expensive profile. Oh, so. We should get that hooked up. <laughs> what about like a strictly platonic like uh, movie? We should do one. We yeah. talked about a local access TV show one time we to did. the point that we were like, this was right before the pandemic, right, or yeah, 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 where we were actively like, okay, because I was going to go into spring break school at the time and 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 you were like it's time to you know we should go and investigate what like DATV is all about yeah. and like and, and they have cool stuff and they will show you how to use it and all that and then the pandemic hit and we were like we probably shouldn't be going into some studio and using shared equipment they're probably not open anyway so um as far as like getting on the air or anything maybe not but we could do some kind of wacky we would you know, know stuff yeah I know some people yeah yeah, yeah see yeah, this is why we come on these podcasts. We're here to network and build a brand. <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> should, we wrap, should we wrap it up here? Yeah. We can. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people find you guys? Oh, we're at Strictly Platonic Zenia Improv. Avenue. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> steal my car. <laughs> you can find us in the backseat of my Kale's stolen car. My car is in the SMSing me right now. You can find us throwing bricks through other people's cars. On Wayne Avenue. Um, <laughs> no, uh, at Strictly Platonic Improv on Instagram. Um, and, uh, do you have a Facebook page? We don't have a Strictly Platonic Facebook page because Facebook's for old people. Yeah. But uh, we may set one up in the future. But if we do, we'll announce it on our on our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a YouTube account called Strictly Platonic Improv, but nobody follows that. So um, you can be the first. It, so I should follow it. Yeah, you should follow it. Subscribe. I you guys just need some... some, some help from some other folks to 
to get some more content out there because you guys are too funny to not uh, have people laugh at the stuff you do. So thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Means I appreciate a lot. that. Thanks for letting us, you know, unburden ourselves. Yeah, unburden right. Yourself. A little little therapy for you. A little <laughs> taste. You guys have anything to say to the to the podcast listeners uh, before we go? Anything it can be anything. It's not like you know uh, you're if you're a Capricorn or not. It's just like thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're supposed to be like keep wearing a mask, social distance. We're all in this together. Get yeah. vaccinated when it's your turn. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> adopt a pet, don't, spay and neuter. Don't sell your child into <laughs> slavery. That's a good one. <laughs>